If they get caught, they take all the heat. The cops come in, they take every dime in the place, they take every penny out of the machine. We get this call. She said, we got hit. The police are there. You have 15 minutes to get down there or they're breaking open the machines. Hey, that's the problem with getting away with behaving like that for so long. You start thinking yeah. you're invincible. They're like, oh, okay, we need uh, 30,000. Uh, hey, you know, that has nothing to do with me. That's no, 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 you don't understand. We're collecting 35 today. I had my shotgun, I cocked it. And he's like, what are you gonna do? Take one more step and you're gonna find out. These things were always classified as arcade games, amusement only devices. Right. But we used them for illegal gambling, racketeering, you know? So, and right. what, what for years protected us was on the machine that said for amusement only, not, not <laughs> wink, wink. But right. you know, we had the outfit I worked for was my brother-in-law's company. Uh, but we had like 50, 50, 55 to 60 bars, mm -hmm. but they go up and down. You, you lose accounts, you gain accounts. And um, you put them in these, you know, put them in the bars, restaurants, little convenience stores, you know, and they uh, they use them basically for gambling, you know. And if they get caught, you know, the, the thing with what protects us is, you know, if they get caught, they take all the heat. You know, the cops come in, they take every dime into place, they take every penny out of the machine, they take any money you have behind the counter, any anything in your safe, they take it all, they clean you out. And they take the boards out of the, sometimes they smash the heck out of these machines with sledgehammers. But sometimes they say, you, you know, we'll give you 15 minutes to come down here and open them up. So, you know, if they open the machines up, you know, we'll go down there, we'll, we'll put a board in there and it'll be up and running. But how this works is how we protect them is that they get ready, they take the heat. So uh, if they take, you know, $3,000 out of the poker machine, you know, they would have got half of that, 1500 So we'll come down there. The cops will leave them a ticket, three thousand dollars. We'll give them fifteen hundred of it. They're they're whole now. We ate the fifteen hundred. If they had two thousand dollars in the safe, we give them two thousand dollars. They're covered. And then, well, they go. Well, I have this. We have this thing. We have to go to court. Here's your attorney. Here's a card. This is your attorney. Right. We're, pay, we're paying for them. Any court costs, miss work. Anybody got to, You know, right. we pay for everything. Well, well, let's let's get to that. Let's start. Yeah. Let's start back, kind of at the beginning. Oh, like, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. So, I mean. How you I was know, recruited in it, or yeah, how well, yeah, or you know, basically, like, I mean, you were you were your was your family in organized crime? I mean, how did it, this like? Where, this, where were you born? Where were I, you? It, my family was, and I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, and, and right. uh, I was born on Easter Sunday, nineteen sixty-seven. That's why my parents named me Paul. We weren't Catholics; we were Protestant. So, growing up, you know, I, I, uh, it's funny. My, my mother's eighty years old. She tells me the story. You know, she keeps reminding me. You know, when you're six years old, going to school kindergarten, you, you're going to cry, but you're so brave that, you know, we said, if you make it half the day in school, we'll buy you whatever you want. And I said, I'll, I want a Coke and a knife. Coke, <laughs> what six-year-old, you know, a six-year-old kid says, I want a Coke and a knife. Of course, it was a rubber knife, you know, plastic yeah. knife. So they get me that, you know, they're happy I went to school. And then, but prior to that, when I was four years old, they didn't, I didn't talk. So my parents thought something was wrong with me. And they took me to the doctors and, you know, my sister was older than me. She was six and I was four. And the doctor checked me out and said, no, you just have a good kid. Because my sister, they called her hurricane because she was all over the place. And she spoke for me. And even years later, she worked for me at my, my bar. And she was still, I owned the place, and she was still speaking for me. Like, you, know, you can't talk to him. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, so it persisted through her whole life. You know, it was kind of comical how that went. But uh, back to the story, like, you know, I was in school, National Honor Society, up to the 10th grade. I always wanted to be a Fed. In fact, in my yearbook, my 1985 yearbook, I did have hair, had long hair, parted in the middle. It used to take me 45 minutes to dry it, believe it or not. 
and uh, big the big comb. I don't know if you had a big comb or not. So uh, you know, it was written my yearbook, uh, uh, U.S. military, criminal justice degree, hopefully FBI. So my eleventh and twelfth grade year, I kind of effed off. You know, it wasn't cool to be smart. You know, because everybody cheat. I was a guy everybody cheated off of. You know, because I've always had the work done. You know, and it wasn't cool. You know, when you get older, you're in your teens. It's not cool. So I kind of kind of screwed up my early college plans by messing up in 11th and 12th grade. So I'm thinking, okay, let me, let me, let me go in the army. Let me take some classes while I'm in the army. Regroup. Regroup. And, and right. I qualified. I did well in the, you have to get, take an entrance test and I did well enough to like kind of pick what I wanted to do. So I'm like, you know, gunsmithing. It had, they had a job was 45 Bravo 10, which is like, you're like a gunsmith, you know, and it had a top secret security clearance. I said, Oh, this is great. I'll do this. Go on there four years, learn about all kinds of weapons. Everything they fired, I could fire and fix. I'll get the, I have the uh, the top secret clearance. I'll get out four years, go to college, try to become a policeman prior, you know, being a fed. I want to be a policeman, go to school, then be a fed. And, uh, you know, so that, that was my, that was my path. Um, but once I got out, you know, I started working at this hotel and I met my boss, ended up being my fiance, now, now my wife. So she was my boss. And so how I met, talk about my, my family wasn't an organized crime and we were just regular, you know, my father worked for General Motors 38 years. My yeah, mother, was, my mother I was, was a housewife. about the organized crime. I was like, yeah, yeah. How, like, how did this? Well, well, I'll tell you what happened. We're, we're dating. And then, you know, your first dating, I, I, I went to every function. They had a function every weekend and we always went, all the functions were at her brother-in-law's house, my future boss, Sonny, I call him Sonny. And um, there was always another character there, this guy named Phil. Phil ended up walking my wife down the aisle because he was kind of like a uh, like a surrogate father because her father died when she was young and he was a family friend. But he also was a Baltimore County judge. He was a liquor board judge. He ended up serving out there 23 years. But he knew he knew everybody in Baltimore County, Baltimore City, Annapolis. You know, he knew everybody because he was in politics and, and being a judge for so long. So when we would go to these parties, but when my I was dating my wife, you know, the two characters are always there. Sonny, they're usually at Sonny's house. He had a 7,000 7, square foot house. You know, I'm thinking like, what does this, what does this cat do? You know, you had, right. had the gates and the the pool with the, you know, the fountains and intercom systems, you know, uh, pretty good for a judge. Well, no, this is, this is Sonny. This is her own. Oh. This, this is her brother-in-law. The okay. guy, this is her brother-in-law, not, not the judge. The judge was always there. He was always invited because, he needed him in his industry in the business because he would be notified when like bars were going for sale and Sonny would get tipped off. Hey, this place is coming up, maybe move in there, try to get the account, you know? So I'm going to these functions and they, they would talk and then he would sit amongst themselves and talk shop. And they knew they started real right away. Like asking me questions like, uh, Oh, you want to be a fed? You want to be a cop? This and that. And I've already gone through the process, like, uh, the city police, Baltimore County police, state police. I was like in, in the, in the, in the till ready, you know, waiting for, for a higher date or whatever, whatever. Um, and like, it was like 18 months to two years. So it was like a hiring freeze, but I was already in the system. Like I already passed everything. So I'm, I'm working at the hotel and, and, um, just kind of buying my time, starting to go to school. And so they kept talking to me, Oh, why you want to do this? Why you do that? They knew, you know, later on, I learned why they would ask me all these questions because they knew if you want to be a fed, you're squeaky clean. You're, you know, you're like, you can't have a speeding ticket. You can't be, you know, nothing can be wrong with your, with your background. And they got, they got a good feel of that. So if about eight or nine, you know, little parties, they, they got more and more familiar, but they started telling me what they were doing. Oh, I have a vending company. And they had like 106, they had 110 cigarette stops, but 
not every stop had poker machines. About 55 to 60 bars had poker machines because some they, of the they had a hundred and ten cigarette stops. Cigarette so, stops. Back then you had cigarette machines. Okay. So some so some bar, every bar had a cigarette machine. Yeah, yeah. But I remember not, the ones you pulled the, yeah, the, yeah. the lever. Yeah, but not but but not every place we had had poker machines because some places were like like uh, facilities where they had uh you know, weddings and things like that. So we didn't have machines in those places, you know. And like we had cigarette machines at, at like uh warehouse places where guys got off work and they get cigarettes, you know, because back back in the nineties, people were still smoking like crazy. So they started talking about the business and all, and then they uh uh I, I thought something was up. And my wife, my 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 fiance at the time was thinking, like, what's he always asked? Why is he pulling you aside? You know, he always were, were pulling me aside, asking me questions. So uh, I'm about a few months after going to these things, I'm working at the hotel and he comes checking in. He was staying there. He he lives in he lived in Virginia. He would come in town in Baltimore with these, you know, his business was and stay like three days a week. So he'd work three, three, four days a week, then go home on the weekends. And so he came in one night and he was checking in and he said, Hey, kiddo, he always called me kiddo. He goes, Hey, kiddo, when you get off, you know, 11, come up and see me. I'm like, Okay, Sonny, I'll come up, you know. And I'm thinking, like, Okay, he's going to maybe, you know, all this talk about what do you want to do for, with your life, you know, maybe I can help you out with something. And then he would say, You know, hey, Phil's, you know, Phil's a judge in the county. Maybe he can help you in 18 months, get you in the police department, you know. So they're feeding me all these lines. And so I go up at, I go up at 11 o'clock when I got off and he's up there. He loved the smoke. He's, he always smoked. And, um, uh, he's telling me about his business, what I do. And then he started telling me about the, the poker machines more involved. He goes, I'm like, are they illegal? He's like, well, you know, they're, they're only illegal if you get called gambling on them. You know? <laughs> so, and, uh, <laughs> so I'm just listening to him and, and he, this, this, he was 20 years, my senior, I was 23. He was, so he was 43. So he's a lot older than me. So he's telling me about the business and he's all, he goes, you know, what, you, the same thing. How long is this police thing going to take? I said, 18 months, two years. He goes, Hey man, why don't you come work for me? I said, I, I don't know. You know, if the legality of this stuff, I'm not sure it may hurt me. He goes, Oh, I'll just have you move machines. You run the cigarette route. You know, you're going to get married eventually to my, my sister-in-law. You'll be family. You'll be, be perfect. I, I'll help you out. You're helping me out. Yeah, you're, not I just, robbing, you're not robbing the bank. You're just driving the getaway. No, car. no. And he explained to me too, like, he goes, we're like bankers. And they were, they were like bankers. So you want to own a bar, you know, a bank's not going to lend you 25 grand as a deposit to get into a bar. They're not doing that. So they would come, these guys would come to these operators and say, Hey, I want to buy Nick's bar. He's selling it. You know, he wants a hundred grand. He wants 25 grand down. I don't have it. And so we go check the place out or he's telling me this. We check the place out. We think we can make money. The main thing is putting fast pieces in there. They call the poker machines fast pieces. And you put a jukebox, pool table, whatever. They think that they make their money back pretty quick. They'll lend the guy the money, but see, they tie the guy up too. If the property's involved, they put a lien on the property. They always put a lien on the liquor license. So they're not going to be out a penny if the guy that goes belly up. And then we also kind of control them too, that if they screw up and we've done this before, if they screw up, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. We put them out, put somebody else in there. Right. So he's explaining how this thing works. So we're just like banks. We just, we're helping people out. We loan them money to get into business and on he's, and then he, you know, uh, he's, what do you think? I said, I don't know. So he had his briefcase there. He opens his briefcase and he had this six, six bundles, stacks of money bundled together. And he throws me one of them. I catch it. I'm like, man, you know, it was 5,000 bucks, you know, bundled up. And he goes, what do you think? I said, that's, you know, more money I've had held in my life. I, you know, I was making uh, 800 a month in the army and I was making, you know, 225 a week working in a hotel. 
And he's telling me about it. He goes, how about I start you at 35,000 a year? I'm like 35,000 a year. I'm thinking like the police is going to start me at 21. Right. So, so I'm thinking like, he goes, what do you think? I said, ah, you know, I don't know. He goes, look, you know, just do it for a while. You know, my wife will feel better. You're helping her sister out. You know, it's going to get you started. You can save some money. He's laying all that on me. You know, like I said, Phil is going to help you get in the police down the road. It's just about people helping people. Helping people, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, you know, and I was, you know, I was naive in a sense, but, you know, not, you know, I learned the ways of the world pretty quick. So I'm like, all right, you know, you know, here. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll try. I'll, I'll do it. I got to give him a two weeks here. I'll, I'll come down and we'll see how it goes. So I throw the money back to him. He's going to give it back. He's no, man, that's, your, that's all yours, brother. That's a signing bonus. I'm like, you sure? He goes, yeah, it's all yours, man. You take it. I'm thinking like, shit, you know, that's the most money I ever had at one time in my whole life at that point, right. five grand. So, you know, then I'm off the races. So I, I, two weeks I start working, I go to the shop, I meet, you know, he had a partner, partner named Ira. And uh, it was Ira, how they got into it. It was Ira's fa father-in-law's business. That's how they got in there because you can't just buy into these businesses. And like me, you just don't hire somebody off the street. You know, he felt he knew me. I'm going to be family. So they'll hire me, you know, and these guys, as I found out, you know, as I got involved in it, it was, it was organized. Like there was five main, I'm not mimicking the La Costa Nostra. There's five main, five main operators. These guys had most of the, most of the bars and restaurants. There was dozens and dozens of operators, but these five guys controlled probably 85% of it. So they weren't the total guys out there, but they were, they had most of the stuff. So, um, these guys, you know, kind of controlled everything going on. So I start, I start working, make it back to, you know, start working for him. I meet, you know, uh, I meet all the guys and he says, you know, the first, the first three months I'm like riding with these guys, I'm getting paid 35 grand a year just to sit on my ass. Right. Drink sodas around because I had to know every location. I had to ride with that cigarette guy for a month. I had, everybody had to see my face and all these accounts because we're not wearing a shirt that says Bill's amusement on it. Yeah. You know, because it's like, you know, who is who's this guy? You know, who's this? He's a new guy. He had to physically take me to all these accounts. He's the new guy. So I come up with a set of keys to fix a machine, dump a machine, collect the machine. They knew who I am. So I ran with a cigarette guy for about a month. I ran with the uh, the day mechanic for, for about a month, the night mechanic for about a month. Then I started, and Sunday's like, all right, you're going to start collecting with me. And I'm thinking like, okay, I thought, you know, all right, all right, yeah, okay, so I'm going to collect, start collecting with you. Can I ask a question? What's yeah. the, the the night mechanic? Yeah, we had, because these things were in bars and restaurants. Right. So we had a day, we had day mechanics, because we, we, we had, we had to service the machines if they broke down. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so sometimes, you, you know. Just, I thought you were just going, opening them up, taking the money. And oh, no, no. We, I mean, I, I learned everything. He wanted me to learn everything from the ground up, because eventually he would come up in town and screw off, because he had, he had three or four girlfriends. Right. And his plan was, his plan was I was doing all his stuff eventually. Right. So that was his goal. Get me, get me situated. He's going to go to Vegas, do whatever, go to Jersey. And then he plays, you know, dad and husband on the weekends. You know, I mean, it, the guy was, the guy was a character. So I'm learning, you know, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning the route and all. And, uh, and, uh, so, uh, after a couple of weeks with him, I start riding with a night guy that the, the day that he's a mechanic mover. It's a big guy named Rob big black guy. He's like six foot, six foot three, three eighty. big dude. And, and Sonny's like, you know, Hey man, he, you know, he's slow. You, you know, you work with him, you move his ass. I'm like, I don't know how I can move this guy. He's six, he's six foot three, 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 three eighty. I'm, 
well, you, you, you know, let them know that, you know, you're going to be in charge. I'm like, all right, whatever, dude. So it was like my first day with, with Rob, we get to the shop early and I, you know, we're in the truck and we have some equipment in there because we had, he had like a list of things he had to move pool tables and things. I'm, I'm same thing going around, helping him out, learning the bars and the people. And we get this call, you know, we all had radios and uh, Janice was the woman who worked in the office who took the calls. And she said, we got hit. We got hit. I'm thinking like, I'm looking at Rob cause I can hear it over the radio. And Sonny comes on and he goes, we're at, and she's like uh Thunderbird lounge. The police are there. You have 15 minutes to get down there. They're breaking open the machines. See, this was, a, this was like one of those times they said, you have 15 minutes to get here or we're going to smash them up. Right. And we happen to be close. So this is, this is one of the first, this is the first encounter I had with the police of many of both state, local, and eventually the fed, you know, the feds. And we go down there and, and the story, it was kind of crazy. This is what it was like surreal. So Sonny's on the radio saying, Rob, tell Paul the situation, you know? So when we're right down there, we're real close. He's like, don't say nothing. Don't say any, they're, they're going to ask you stuff. You just move machines around. You don't know shit. I said, okay, I don't know shit. So we go in there and these cops had pool sticks, the uniform cops, there was undercover cops there too. They had pool sticks in this bar, you know, the white ceiling tiles you uh -huh. put up in the grids. They had pool sticks and they're bang, bang. And they're knocking them and it's like it's snowing in there. Dust is coming down. And see why they're why they're banging these towels. They're looking for money because people would stash the money in, in these bars at different places, you know. Like I used to hide money in, in the ceiling in the back of the kitchen in my place. I had a safe, but also had an area where I hid money too, because you never know when you're gonna get pinched. Right. So they're, they're smashing the place up in the bar and they're yelling and screaming, I don't have any money. Da, 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 da. And they're then they're they go behind the bar and, and they're pouring out, they're pouring out uh coffee, they're pouring out sugar. Where's this? Give us the bank. They wanted they wanted this bank, you know. So they go to Rob, you got the keys? He goes, Yeah. He goes, open them up. So he opens the machines up, dump the buckets out, because the machines go right through the money goes in the bill acceptor, drops right into these buckets, a little a bucket. And they dump on the bar and they're counting the money, you know. That's where they count it like three grand out. So he there's still the guy the cop goes behind the bar, he goes, just give me, just give us your drawer money. And we'll fill the paperwork out. We'll be blown our way. We don't have to wreck your place up. So the guy's like refusing to give his drawer money up. So they start smashing the bottles. They're like, psh, psh. And I'm thinking like, what? The? I'm thinking like, here, I want to be in law enforcement. Yeah. And these guys are like, these guys yeah. are tearing this place up. Yeah, they're so they, thugs. They're not the yeah. law enforcement. Oh, yeah. They, they pulled me aside. They go, what, who are you? I said, I, 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 did. I said, I just work there. I, I'm just I'm moving machines around. Give me your ID. Okay, I give him my ID. And he's. What do you do for the company? I said, I just move machines around. You know, they're, they're, they're using these things for illegal gambling. That's racketeering. I said, I said, officer, I said, I haven't been doing this as long. You know, I just, I just started doing this. I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, you need to find a new line of work. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So like smashing up bars. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, but you can't, you gotta be careful what you say. You, you, you know, you had involved with, with police. Oh, me, you gotta listen, be very measured. I'd be very polite. I'd be, be like, I'm so right. polite. If I got pulled over and dealing with these guys and when I had the feds eventually come see me, I'm very polite, but firm. And so Rob finally says, look, you know, look, officer, the money's in the floor drain. And the, the guy starts screaming, why are you telling where the money is? So they, they stop smashing the place up. There's a floor drain. They pull the floor drain up. There's a mason jar of 1500 bucks in it. That's where he hit his money at night. He didn't have a safe. He put in the floor drain. So he gives the money up and they do their thing. And they took the boards out of the machine and they go, are you hanging around? And, and Rob's just like nodded. So once they leave the paperwork and the receipts, they're done. It's over with. They, they can't come back. So they leave. And that's when Rob, you know, Rob tells the story, what I went back to where like 
you know, he starts bitching at Rob is why'd you tell him where the money was? You know, they would have never found it. He goes, look, they were going to smash this place up till they found it. He goes, we got to pay for everything. Yeah. You know? So he said, when something like I'll reiterate how it works, Sunday's going to come down the 3000 they took out of the machine. 15 was yours. You're going to get 1500 bucks. The $1,500 that was in your, you know, it was your bank to start the day. You're getting all that back. $3,000. He goes, but now we got to pay to have the place fixed up because you wouldn't give the money up, which we're going to give you the money back. Right. You know, so I mean, he didn't, he didn't real, didn't the guy realize you guys, were he gonna, did, he did, but he just thought, thought he's gonna he, be thought a he, was, ass? he thought he was smarter. I'm like, you're not gonna, you're not, you're not, they already got you ga illegal gambling. No, you can't win. You, you know, what are you doing? And see, so, you know, Sonny comes down, we put the boards in boom, within an hour we're up and running, but see, there's, there's three, there's three things that have to happen for them to catch you. Three things they have to see. Sometimes they lie about it. They do lie about it. So, they have to see somebody playing the machine. Okay. They're playing the machine. So point secure. So say there's 2000 points up in the corner that you've, you've cured over playing for an hour or whatever. So that's, if it's a quarter machine, that's 500 bucks. So the police have a, a, a undercover guy has to see the points. They have to see the points on the, on the machine. Then they have to see them disappear. Now how they disappear is like we had, we would hook basically it's like a uh, garage door opener, you know, a little clicker. So we would hook it to the board. So when they wanted to clear the machine, there's somebody cutting lawn outside. I don't know if you hear that or not. No. no. Okay. Sorry. So we had these garage door openers. We would hook the machine. And then if they wanted to clear the points, it was a little button. Boom. You click the button. The points go away. The cops had to see, okay, the points were up. The points went away. And then the next thing, the third thing they have to see is money going over the bar to the guy that was just playing the machine. That completes the transaction. There are three things they have to see. Then the place is popped. It may take a week or two to get the warrants and all that for them like, you know, come in and kick the door and whatever. But that's how it operates. But we've had bars in the past that were popped so many times that uh, the police would lie. They'd say, because this one guy got popped four times. And he finally said, look, if you hit the machine, just walk out. Come in tomorrow morning before I open up, give you the money then in an envelope. Because that's how many times the guy got popped. Right. So he started doing that. And they still popped him saying, oh, we saw the points go off. The, the, the points go off, the points were there, and then we saw the envelope go over the bar. And the owner was like, he was like fit to be tied in court. He was ready to say, I pay him the next day. But of course, he's not going right. to say that because, you're, you know, he's incriminating himself anyway, you know. But that's kind of how, how all that, that works, that, that system works there. So uh, uh, as, far as, as far as that stuff goes. But, um, you know, I, I, I was in the business a while. And then, like I said, I was, I was being – prepared to do things. So after, after that, like I was a little shooken up and I, there's a couple of times that I work from her on, I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm getting out of this, you know, I, I'm going to get the fuck out of this. So, uh, that was one of them. And he's like, you know, at the end of the week, he's let's go out, let's go have dinner. Cause we had to go hang in bars too, that we didn't have and like try to spend money to get accounts. Right. You want to keep your, you want to keep your accounts, you know, but you're but, losing um, them. So you have to constantly get more. Yeah. You, we would try, like if somebody would come in, say you would come in, you went to bar, We'd loan you 25 grand. You sign a five year contract with us. So if we're making, say, 2,000 a week each, we're, you're getting 2,000, I'm getting 2,000. I'm going to take 500 of your money towards that note. So within five, within one year, we're paid back. So we have four years with you, you know? So once that, when it gets close to that time running out, you want to try to finagle to keep the guy. But some guys want to move on or they want too much money. I want 100 grand now, or I want to, I want a gift. You know, like, why don't you just give me 50 grand and I'll sign up. We had accounts where we would give 50 grand to, 
for right. five years, but we're making like five plus a week, you know, 5,000 a week. So we might say, yeah, we'll give you 50 grand. You sign a seven year contract with us. You know, I mean, they're making the money five to 7,000 a week, but a lot of these guys are spending as fast as they can make it. Yeah. So, you know, so we'd lock, you know, give them the 50, just give it to them. We're making that back real short. And then we got them for seven years. And so you also, once you have a contract with these guys, you know, you have liens on everything. And you could, like, if you have a problem with a contract, you can sell it to one of the operators. And that was part of these meetings when these organized guys, these op main operators would meet like once a month. They would talk about that. They would say, hey, I'm not happy with, with, uh, with uh, T. Apple Schmitz. You know, we just don't get along. I'm making 700. We're making only 700 a week. You know, he's making seven. I'm making seven. But really, there's no work involved unless the machines break yeah. down. So it's, it's like easy money. But if they have a personality problem, sometimes they'll say, you know, hey, I got three years left on the contract. We're making seven a week. You know, you want to give me 20 grand? I'll, I'll sign the contract. Over I'm done with the guy. He's a jerk. Yeah, I was going to say, but then again, the funny thing is, is like the more money you make, the less you're willing, less shit you're willing to put up with. If you're making exactly. half a million dollars a year yeah. and this guy is only $20,000 of it, but he's, he's a big headache. I'd rather yeah. get, let just me get, get rid, rid of him, him and get rid of somebody him. else. But then with the other side of the coin, we had, we had this one stop and this guy was a, he was a bad, big Coke addict. And, and, you know, like I said, of all the bars we had, most of these guys, you do their thing. We have no problems. We do the collections. You know, they know when their contract's up. Maybe we'll renew it. Maybe we won't. And if they like us, they'll stay with us. We'll loan them money. Maybe we'll give them money, whatever. But we had this one guy. We we had we lent him a hundred grand. He had a, he had a nightclub, but he was a he was a big coke addict. But the thing was, he he would bring. He had this big nightclub, and he had a back bar that was as big as my bar that I owned. My bar was two thousand square feet. He had a back bar the size of my bar, and he had a, like a door, and he would have after hours parties in there. And he invited like all the, uh, you know, the uh, the gamblers, all the uh, the dealers, the bookmakers. He knew all these guys, and then he had prostitutes in there. So we'd have these like it's like Caligula, you know, back in his back room after hours. And I would get a call. I mean, my wife would many times three, four in the morning. I need a dump. You got to get over here. I need a dump. And a dump is like he's out of money because they these guys would loan money to players. They would cash checks for him, you know. And these guys would be there all night feeding the machine. So he would run out of money. So a dump was, I would go over there, you know, open the machines up. We count all the money, say it's five, six grand. I give it to him. He signs a piece of paper. He's got more money to keep these guys in there. But this one particular night I went over there, you know, he had a steel door in the back. You could come around the back and go in. And I hear this music. It's like 4.30 in the morning. The music is, bah, 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 bah. he just woke me up, you know. But this guy's the only guy I have my own phone number because we're making so much money there. And I... I pull the door up. I'm like, fucking doors open, you know? And I know what's going on there. It's like I said, these girls are in there giving guys blowjobs, you know, there's Coke all over the place. I mean, like I said, it's like Caligula. If you're familiar with that, that it was just nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I, I bolt the door. I go in there. I'm like, what the hell is going on here, man? He's like, Oh, Paul, good to see you. And he's like, he's stoned off his mind. This guy was named Richie. And, and he, he, he was like stuck in the seventies, long hair in the middle, always had a Hawaiian shirt on shorts, flip-flops. I don't care if it was eight degrees outside with snow. He was, and he had a bad stuttering problem. And Sonny would call him stutter fuck. And I'm thinking like, man, that was kind of, you know, I thought it was kind of evil to call him that. You know, I had a stutter, stuttering problem when I was younger. I kind of felt bad at first, but then I realized it wasn't, it, it wasn't, you know, heredity or anything or genetic because he did so much coke. I mean, he, right. he couldn't talk right. So I go over here, do a dumping on and, and he's like, he's going, he's, he's like kind of a little flippant with me. So, 
I always ca- I carried a piece after a while I carried a piece because some of these guys would get robbed. I'm thinking I'm not, I'm not getting robbed. You know, you know, I'm going to protect myself. If I had to initially I carried it legally. And then eventually when I bought my bar 93, I had a permit, but early on, I didn't have a permit. So he's in there. did this and that. I am in a Holland. I said, look, dude, I said, I said, if I come in here again, that back door's open like that. I said, there's gonna be some problems in this place. Oh, 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 oh yeah, yeah. And he's all hot. And he wasn't getting what I was saying. So I had grabbed him and I'd like shoved him against the wall. And uh, his imprint of his shoulders and head were in the, in the wall. Now, mind you, it wasn't like drywall. It was like this thin wood grain. It kind of shook him a little, you know. And I said, I mean it, man. I said, you know, we got a hundred grand invested in this business, your business, and you're you're you got that door open, and there's prostitutes and there's coke in here. I said, you know, we're making five, we're making five to ten grand a week, and so is he. You know, plus we're getting our note back from him. If we're getting another five grand, so we're doing pretty good from one spot, you know. Right. But I said, you're not going to F it up for us, you know. And uh, don't tell Sonny. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to tell Sonny, man. This is, bull-. you know, I'm not dealing with this shit because it happened a couple of times. So when I tell Sonny this, he's like, I got an idea. We're going to, because we're going to put you in there. I'm like, dude, I'd love to own a bar one day, but I'm not getting involved with Richie, man. He's he, something bad's bound to happen because Sonny's like, that's a problem. You can, you can keep control of it. I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dealing with that shit. You know, I don't need that. You know, it's not me. I'm not doing that. You know? So he goes, well, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out. So a couple of weeks went by and he, he heard about it. He's like, he didn't like me because, you know, I shoved around, slapped around one night, told him don't, I'm not tolerating this shit, you know? Right. So, uh, he finds this guy, this guy named Paul Monk started hanging in there. And, uh, he was, uh, he had an insurance company and we checked him out and all. And he actually had a pretty good idea because we're making so much money in this one joint. We're only allowed to have three poker machines back there because, Certain sizes of bars, you can only your limit one, depending on the size two. This place, we can only have three. So we had guys there lined up waiting to, you know, they're waiting to play. People are playing. They're waiting to give us money, you know, just here's a bucket, just throw your money in a bucket, you know. But um, so we had a brilliant idea. They went to buy this bar down the street was for sale was about a mile away. And they said, hey, we can put two machines in there and we'll run an after hours joint down there too, you know. That was Paul Monk's idea, and he and he had a little bit of money, so he approached me and Sonny about it, and uh, and we're and you know we're thinking okay, you know, and, and, and Ira too, but Ira was always Sonny ran the show. Ira was like an after fact. Okay, that's what we're doing, Ira. You know, is that is that to run the other guy out of business? No, 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 to partner with him. We thought he would straighten them out because this guy had a legitimate insurance company. He was okay. an insurance man, so insurance. So we're thinking like, okay, this guy's you know, he's legit. He's, he's a straight he's legit, shooter. Straight shooter. He knows Dickie. He says he can keep under control. Richie and I'm sorry, Richie, and um, they'll buy the other joint down the street. So they bought that, and things would be going. A couple a couple months went by. Things were going okay. Then then I get wind that Paul Monk is a big coke dealer, and I'm thinking like, oh shit, this is letting the fox in the hen house, right? We because because Richie's got a bad coke problem. So Sonny's like, you got to go straighten this out. I'm like, <laughs> you're the one that started. You're the one that. Yeah. And it's his company, but he kept pushing more and more on me. And like I said, I was, I was, you know, I was drinking a lot back. We drank a lot. And, and, uh, if I wasn't drunk, I probably was hung over. And, and I, I was just out of the military and I had a real bad, I mean, short few, I had a short fuse. I'm not as calm as I am now, but I mean, I like would like, my wife would say you were just terrible. I mean, she would say you were terrible back then. I mean, I just had a bad, I would snap in a second. Like now, like people can't believe what you did that stuff. I'm like, yeah, but I was, you know, now I got low T on one medication. I can't do that shit anymore. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, uh, I had to go, he goes, go talk to Paul. I'm like, well, what do you want me to say? 
you know, they're keeping these guys in there all night, both places. We're making over 15,000 a week. And it's like no work. Just stay out of trouble, guys. You know, keep the door locked. So I go over there and I, I, I talk to Paul and I said, look, man, I hear you, you know, selling a lot of Coke. And oh, well, yeah, that's, uh, I say, I, I, I don't begrudge anybody how they make a living. But I said, don't do it in these bars. I said, because, you know, we're the operators in here. If you get shut down, we're out of business. Right. So I said, you, there's got to be a happy median. You know, you can't, he goes, well, you know, we're keeping the, I said, I, I get it. I get it. I understand the guys are in here. You got, you got the broads, you got the Coke, you know? And I, I, it was crazy what I said. I said, just keep a limit on how much Coke you have in here. That's what oh I said. So I'm thinking like, well, I mean, what am I supposed to say? You know? So it wasn't, it wasn't probably a month. I get another phone call at my house and it was Richie calling me and he said, Paul Monk got murdered. And I'm like, what? He goes, can you, and he knew I had, I had a, you know, 20 gauge I carry with me at 38, nine o'clock. And I'm thinking, oh shit. And I'm thinking like, cause Sonny started, I f- was stepping on people's toes, other operators, wasn't paying people when he bought some accounts. I'm thinking like, man, this guy's going to get me fucking, he's going to get me in a bad way. So I go over there and, uh, second time I'm, I'm talking to police and, uh, I go over there and, you know, the tapes up and all. And this was, this make the news and the paper. This murder is still unsolved. This murder never got solved. And I go over there, police like, who the hell are you? You know, I'm thinking like, I, I just pulled up. I said, oh, I'm acquainted. I didn't say I was the op- machine operator. I said, oh, I'm just friends, you know, I'm just friends. And then Richie steps in and says, I just called him up. He was asleep at his house. And he's like, is that true? And I said, call my wife. But my wife wouldn't answer the phone because whenever I would leave like that, I'd say, don't answer the phone, don't answer the door. Because she didn't know what I was doing or where I was, right. where I was going. I said, call my wife. She or go see her. She was there. I was in bed, you know. So we find out, you know, it, 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 the rumor was it was a, it was a hit. We find out later on, like months later, it was a, you know, a professional hit that he was dealing Coke uh, in Jersey and his girlfriend died of an overdose from his stash. And his girlfriend was a daughter of a connected guy in New Jersey. And, and he swore at his trial. He got off. There was no manslaughter. It was like an accidental overdose or whatever. And the father to trial swore that he get even. And it took like five years, and he finally did. That's what we're assuming happened. That's what we're hearing. But it's still an unsolved. It's an unsolved murder to this day. I mean, it's it hadn't been solved. So that that spooked that spooked me. And uh, and that that there, like I said, we didn't know at first what was going on. I for years I slept with my thirty eight on my pillow, and and uh, you know. Uh, Cause you never, we never knew what was going on. We, you know, we didn't know, you know, early on if Sonny had something to do or piss somebody off and all. So that was causing issues with, with him and his partner. And then the icebreaker was we had, it was like six, probably not six, seven months later. Um, Sonny was a bit of a gambler. So we're hanging at one of our joints, you know, hanging out and he's, you know, could we go there, spend money, let him know we're spending money in your, your account, you know, where we had the machines and he gets wind, he gets wind that, uh, there's this gambling parlor after hours gambling parlor, you know, uh, over around the corner off Harford road from where we're at. He goes, get my car kid. We're going over there. I'm like, dude, it's like two and it's like two in the morning, man. You know, cause we had to stay out and, you know, mingle and he's looking for broads. I'm just with him because he's telling me to come with him, you know? And I guess eventually I'm kind of his muscle in a way because he's got me in, he's got me in fights. He's got me in situations that, you know, that, that, Normally I wouldn't be involved in, but he goes, we're going over there, brother. We're going to do some gambling. So he gives me 20, he gives me 25,000. So I'm, I got it in my jacket and we go over this place and it's this, uh, 
this old stinking garage off like, off like Hartford Road. And I'm thinking, like, what are we doing here? And it had a, had a second floor, had metal steps to go up the second floor. And um, I'm looking, there's like BMWs or Jaguars or Mercedes. I'm thinking like, man, what the hell are these nice cars doing this dirty ass little garage, you know? And he says, we're going up there. I'm like, okay. So we walk up these steps and uh, we knock on the door and this big guy answers, answers it with, he had a holster and had a gun in his holster. He's like, yeah. And uh, Sonny's like, rolling. All right, come in. I'm thinking like, what the hell are we getting into? But we walked in this place. It's over a dirty garage, second floor. We walk in there and it's probably like maybe 1,800 square feet, roulette wheel, you know, uh, poker tables. They had chips. Uh, it was just like a mini Vegas in there. Girls were walking around half naked with carrying drinks. Right. These two, these two big uh, Italian guys with the chains and the gold were walking around talking to everybody. And it was roll, it was Roland's game, but these two Italian guys were bankrolling the place. And so Sonny's, you know, he's gambling, he's gambling. He's gambling. Give me another, give me another five, give me another five, give me another five, you know. And so four or five o'clock in the morning rolls around. I said, dude, man, I get the freak out of here. I said, my, my wife, you know, he's going to tolerate me getting home five o'clock in the morning, you know. He's like, oh, you're with me, brother. Everything's cool. You know, like uh, that was wearing on my wife. That was sort of wearing my wife, you know, getting home, you know. <laughs> Nothing good happens after two o'clock. I went to bar. Nothing good happens. Are you still making thirty five thousand a year? No, no. When I when I started collecting, he gave me a like a two thousand a month per diem. Oh, okay. You know, but see, then he would always throw these other little things in there, like uh, when I would think about getting out, like when I was going to get married. Phil Phil's like, I'm paying for the catering hall and the caterer. Oh, thanks, Phil, the judge. And Sonny's like, Well, I'm paying for the band for four hours, and I'm taking you to Las Brisas, Mexico, for for ten days. And that place was like lifestyles of rich and famous during right. the nineties. Robin Leach, you know, it was 10,000 bucks a week, limo rides, rent a Jeep. He paid for everything. So he would do things like that to try to keep me corralled, you know, yeah. and then throw me money, throw me money. Oh, here's this, that. If you had a good week, here's another, you know, two or three. I'm thinking like, and you get like, it's like a high in a way, you know, you just, you know, the, you know, I'm thinking like, I always thought like, am I doing enough? But then I realized, yeah, I'm doing enough because he's put me in bad spots, you know? you know, where, where I could, you know, somebody could shoot me or stab me or, or, or come at me. Yeah. So, what happened to the, what happened to law enforcement? Well, I, that's, that was, I was, I was hooked. I mean, right. I mean, I was hooked. I mean, but after, so we go to this gambling parlor, right. And I, I, I said, I gotta go at five o'clock in the morning. So Roland dropped me off my car, go home. My wife gave you some shit. Uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, it's part of the job. You, you know, he called thank me God sick. Was, thank God there was no, would you have a cell phone? No cell phones. No, nice. no, no. Nice. Uh, no cell phone. No, there was no cell phones. So you Pagers, hear, that was it. You didn't have to hear anything until you got no, home. No, no. Till I got home. Till I got home. Yeah. Of course she she was never up, but she heard everything. Oh, you got what time did you get home? Two. Oh, it was five. So she knew, you know, she she knew everything. Yeah, so so he called I laid my head down. He calls me at six and he's like on the house phone. I'm like, what's up? He goes, oh, brother, you gotta do my route, man. You gotta go run my route. I'm all I'm over here still. I said, sorry, man. I mean, I knew how to collect this route. I knew, you know. Because every every account was different. There's a different deal, how much money they owed you, what the cut was, 60, 40, 50, 50. So I learned all that stuff because I'd been here, you know, a couple of years. So I'm running his route and then I get back to the shop and, and Janice is like, uh, these two guys are calling here. This guy, they're calling making threats. So what are you talking about? They have like accents saying, Where's Sonny? You know, you know, it's his money, he's supposed to come by, da da da. So Sonny calls the shop, hey, meet me over here at Bellock Diner. So I go over there, he looks like shit. And I, you know, we get a coffee. He goes, get, get a coffee, have breakfast. He didn't even touch his. He looked like in a, he was in a bad way, smoking one after another. 
He's like, dude, man, I lost 30 grand. It's like, no shit. I was carrying 25 up for you. He said, no, I borrowed 30 from the house. I lost 60,000. I'm like, holy shit. I said, well, I guess you got to pay these guys. He's like, fuck them. I ain't paying them shit. I'm like, you're not paying them shit. I said, these guys were Italians, right? He's like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. I'm like, he's like, I don't believe in Italians. I'm like, dude, I said, if they're connected, you know, there's going to be hell to pay, you know? He's like, just bring your bring your shit down tomorrow. You bring your shit tomorrow with me. We're gonna straighten this out. Meaning my my revolver, or my my shotgun was a was a twenty gauge. It was pistol grip. It was legal, but it was short. It could fit could fit with a rope and under a jacket. It could, um, <laughs> if you needed it to. I was gonna say that's the problem with getting away with behaving like that for so long. You start thinking yeah. you're invincible and yeah. I can do whatever I want. And like I said, you know, he thought he was connected. We weren't. We weren't the mob. We were. It was organized, but we weren't the Italian mob. But right. these guys kind of operated like that. You know, the guys in the group. So I'm running with them that day. We're doing collections. These guys are still calling the shop. We get back, and he hides his car in the in the garage, which is he never does. Usually, we kept the cigarette van and some other stuff in there. He pulls it right in the garage and hides it. I'm thinking that's a first. He's never hit his car before. So they're calling, they're calling, they're calling. And Iris like, what's going on? What's going on? He goes, Iris like, these guys are calling. They said something about you owe him 30 grand and all. And he goes, ah, don't worry about it. Iris, you know, fuck, I might pay him. And so Iris like, look, tell him you're not paying him. We don't, we don't want the problem. We don't want the problem here. He's like, ah, don't even worry about it. Just don't answer the phone. Don't answer the door. So I'm in the back. I'm, it was a shop. It was, it was a shop. Sonny had the, the uh, secure office. Because yeah, all the counting machines were there, the safes were there, and it had a secure door. Ira had the front office, you know, which you know people could come right in, you know. And I was behind the office in a door that ran to the shop, right behind Ira's office. And I'm sitting back in her chair with my freaking twenty gauge, and I'm praying, I'm praying these guys will come in and cause a problem. You know, I'm thinking like, you know, this is like the worst. How are you going to explain this? This is like, like if, I, if you have to shoot somebody, how do you explain? How, that? Yeah, how do I explain this? You know, yeah, how do we explain it? So uh, we hear the door buzzer ring. Now, mind you, the shop, the shop was secure because it was like a nondescript building down an alley in a bad part of the city. No, there's no, no description. Steel door, a little window with metal grates on it and a buzzer. And you had a buzz in that intercom system. You didn't get in that shop unless you got buzzed in. It was a steel door. You weren't prying that door open. That's how secure this place was. So we hear the buzzer go off and Janice is like, the mail lady's here. So oh, let her in, you know, I was like, let her in. So I'm listening and she comes in. I hear this scuffle. Oh, yeah. I hear this freaking scuffling. So these two, these two, these two Italian guys were, they're coming in. They're, they're waiting outside. They're coming in. I hear Sonny slam his door shut in that office because it's secure. Right. So they come in. We're, look, we're looking for Sonny. We're looking for, they had the heaviest, heavy Italian accent. We're looking for Sonny, you know. And Janice was ready to say he was in the office. And Iris said, no, wait, wait a minute. He's not here. Can I help you guys? He's trying to like quash yeah. this. So uh, he's come in and sit down and all. And they, they come in, they sit down. I'm, I have my ear to the ear to the door. And they're like, oh, okay, we need uh, your partner owes us 30,000. But since he didn't pay us yesterday, it's 35. And we're here to collect. And I was like, uh, hey, you know, it has nothing to do with me. That's, you got to see Sonny. You know, it's not, they're like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We're, we're collecting 35 today from you, from Sonny. Doesn't matter. We're getting our 35,000. And I'm like, and I was like, I couldn't see him, but I could imagine what he was doing because I'm listening through the door. I could hear him get out of his chair and kind of st stand up probably saying, what are you going to do? 
This is 1993. What are you going to do? Well, hell break loose. They start, they, they tap with him. They start wild. They're beating the shit in. Cause I could hear him. He was in distress. I didn't hear Sonny's door open. I'm thinking like, what the hell? This guy's going to get beat. They're going to get $35,000 in a hospital. And I, I couldn't let it happen. I mean, I didn't really like Ira, but I, I, he didn't deserve a beating for Sonny. So I cracked that door open. I, I had my shotgun. I cocked it. And a shell came out to let them know it was loaded. And they stood up. It wasn't the first time they saw a gun. I know that. They stood up. And he's like, what are you going to do? And I said, take one more step, and you're going to find out. And they just stood and looked at me. Now, mind you, it was kind of surreal. I tell the, I tell a story on one of the – one of the, uh, the YouTube things I do when I went through that door, I, I was scared. I was nervous. I'm thinking, what am I going to, you know? And it was like, everything stood still. It was like slow motion. And I swear it's funny, but it, I, I swear I could smell urine. Like I pissed himself cheap Italian cologne and garlic. I mean, I swear. And then it, it's kind of, but because these guys were, you know, Italian with the musk and all that shit. And then when I, when I, when I swung that gun around, I told the guy, take one step. You're going to find out. He, he believed me. And they had their hands up. They slowly backed out of there. And he said, will you be seeing you later? I said, get the fuck out. So they walked out. I'm thinking, oh, what the fuck? It was like the world, the, the weight of the world came off my chest. But then it was a whole new problem. Yeah. So I was going to say, well, he just got you into some yeah, shit. Oh, I, I, he comes out of his office. Oh, man, Paul, he saved the day. I said, save the day. I said, these guys are going to kill me. They're probably going to kill you. I said, we don't know if these, we know they're Italian. We don't know if they're connected or not. He's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I said, you'll take care of it. You should have paid these guys. So, like I said, we were. Yeah, we were, like you just took care of it just now? Just like now, you're, yeah. You're, you're hiding in the not office. not willing to take care of it. No, he's hiding. He always, I mean, he always talked a big game. And, but usually I was there. So he threatened somebody, like one one bookmaker, he had seven grand to. He won 10 the previous month. A guy he would lay off bets with and. He won uh, 10 and he lost seven. And then the guy's like, you know, you're me seven. He's like, fuck you, I'm not paying you. And then so we show up a real quick. We show up at a bar one night and the guy picks a fight with him. And of course, I'm not going to let him get beat. I, I beat the guy up. I knocked him out. And uh, we get out of there. And he, for my, for my, what I did, he gives me 2,000 cash. I'm like, what was that all about? He goes, I told the guy, you know, come get the money, you know, try, kick my ass. I ain't paying you. And I said, what the hell are you going to do if I wasn't here? He goes, well, I wouldn't have been here, brother, unless you were here. So shit like that, he was getting me these situations. So anyway, back to the story, he's like, I'm going to straighten this out. I'm going to straighten this out. I said, you better do something, man, because, you know, this is like four in the afternoon when it came in. I said, they opened up over about eight, you know, when it got dark. I said, you got to get this shit straightened out. So like I said, we we knew we, we paid off politicians. Um, you know, I, I personally paid off politicians. Um, they called. They was always called campaign donations. Wh whatever it made him feel good. They slept good at night because of it. That's great, you know. And uh, he would call on some favors. And he and through Phil, you know, we we knew some police commanders, and this was over in Baltimore County. And so they had told him, look, have somebody go over there tonight when they start, you know, partying, get going, and have somebody call from the payphone and say you heard shots fired at this address, and we'll send the cavalry over there. So of course he's looking at me. I had to go over there. It was between eight, nine o'clock at night when they got started. Hey, shots were fired. Uh, somebody screaming, run out of the place. Da, 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 da. And I kind of hung back and they came over there. I mean, all the police were there, like, and they busted the place out. It's a legal gambling operation, you know? Right. You know, you roulette wheel, all that. It's all the shit poker game, you know? 
So they get busted up. So uh, these guys had these guys had a history. These two Italian guys. So they shipped them out. They shipped them out pretty quick. Like I said, he had to pay somebody to have this taken care of politically. And uh, so like three days go by. So we we knew a, an associate in town that was uh, was with the, the New Jersey outfit. This guy was named Johnny Polano. He had a sub shop over on Harford Road. We would eat there a lot. Sonny would bet with him. This guy wouldn't take more less than 500 a game. So uh, this guy we knew was connected. So Sonny goes, you know, you need to go over there, me, and talk to talk to John and see, you know, if these guys were anybody he knew. I said, you coming with me? He's like, oh, no, 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 you can take care of it. And I'm thinking like, you know, I'm packing my 38, but I'm thinking like, I, I can't have a beef with this guy. He's he's an associate. He's not he's not a May guy, but he's an associate. And we knew that because we see Jer- Jersey tags, a black sedan would come down once a month behind this sub shop, and he'd do his deal. He was one of the biggest bookmakers in Baltimore County. And uh, it was it was funny. When we ever go there for lunch, he'd be in silk, shirt, silk pants, silk shirt, white apron, clean. You know, gold watch, gold jewelry, you know, the dark hair, you know, you know, on the phone, doing that, talking, come out and talk to us. Because, you know, Sonny would bet with him. He talked to Sonny. He knew Sonny had a vending business. Never a spot of grease or dirt on him. But we knew he was he was connected to the outfit. So we go over there. Well, I go over there, and I'm having lunch. He comes over to my table. This is three or four days after this happened. And he comes over, he's smiling at me. I'm sitting at the table, I'm eating, and I'm nervous. I'm thinking, like, you know. I could be in a bad spot right here, <laughs> you know, show my, show my face because I put a gun on these guys. And he comes over, he starts smiling at me. I said, Johnny, can I help you with something? He's like, he's like, I heard what happened. I'm thinking like, you did? What did you hear? He goes, I, I heard it all. I said, oh. He's like, you're lucky. <laughs> I said, what, what do you mean? I'm playing dumb. What do, you, what do you mean I'm lucky? He goes, those guys or anybody uh, – important because they were kind of like uh, they're trying to set up camp themselves they weren't affiliated with anybody that he knew because john would know that because he's with he's with the group up in up in jersey and he says uh he goes uh you he goes you're you lucked out this time and i said i looked at him i said uh better lucky than dead yeah he said he said yeah you know and uh that was like that was the that was the final straw that him and his partner they split. They split because of that because you know I was like this is too much because he he acted like a made guy. People would you know he always had you know five six thousand dollars in his in his you know roll in his pocket, and he always had thirty forty grand in the trunk, and people knew that. And he's lucky he never got he never got jacked. I mean, but then again, whenever I was with him, I I, I had a piece so. Um, so these guys split. They they split because of that, you know. Uh, and you know, me and the guy named Stickley of another mechanic went with him. We kind of we went our own way. And uh, this is where it gets interesting. Um, so he's, you know, I'm doing more stuff. The police, the police has been gone. That's done. You know, that's I'm making too I'm making too much money. I mean, we're looking to build a house. I mean, you know, I'm just I'm I'm full with money. You know, right. So uh, I'm thinking like it's not it's not gonna last forever. I'm just bank some money, put some money away. So I'm doing everything. So I started noticing these uh, these Crown Vicks, like outside my apartment in the morning at certain accounts I went to. We would always go to these accounts like super early in the morning before anybody's stirring, you know, because we were collecting, we would get in and out because we were always carrying a lot of cash. And they're like at the account, they're, you know, I'm thinking like, man, you know, for about a month, month that you went by, I'm seeing all these Crown Vicks. So when he comes in town to settle one of his little trips with one of his girls, and I said, uh, hey, man, I'm, I'm seeing these Crown Vicks everywhere, you know. 
something's up. Ah, uh, you see much too much TV, you know. There's no, there's nothing going on, you know. I'm like, because you know, he's 20 years my senior, he knows better. I'm like, dude, I, I'm in the trenches. I, don't think I he see. does know better. I feel like he doesn't know better. Well, I found out he started doing, yeah. he, started, he starts doing coke, right? But you always swore he never did, you know. So I, I don't, you know, you, you know, I, I drank a lot, you know, I had my thing, but I said, I was trying to tell him what's going. So finally, he goes, I, I'm going to ride with you. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna come with you one morning to join a collection. So, all right, yeah, I'll pick you up. So the first stop we went to was a place called Brandon's Pub off Harbor Road in the city. And I always would drive around because it's early. I didn't you didn't know if anybody's gonna try to hit you, you know, rob you. Because we I had the van stolen. I had my house uh, attempted breaking into because you never knew you don't know what's gonna happen, you know, because these guys are watching, you don't know they're watching you. So I drive around the block first before I park. So this time he's in the car with me. We're driving down the road, go around the block, and I park. And I see a Crown Vic down the street. And I'm like, right there, see it? And he's like, oh, shit. He ducks down. He's like, he's like down in the seat. I'm thinking like, he's like, man, you weren't kidding. I said, see the two antennas? So when we did our thing and drove by, he's like, look, and he sees the antennas in the back, you know. So he's like, okay, yeah. So this, just be careful and all, you know. So after a while, I stopped seeing him. You know, I, I stopped seeing him. So he's thinking everything's, everything's copacetic. Okay, maybe they didn't get anything. No, they're putting the indictment together. Yeah, every yeah, every yeah, didn't get anything. <laughs> they yeah, got so, the surveillance done. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so he gets he goes home. This is months and months later. He goes home. I'm trying to think of the year ninety four. It's going into ninety five. Ninety four to ninety five. He goes home. You know, to be the dad, the good the good husband. You know, on, on Friday, and he goes through his mail, and then he calls me up uh, Saturday night and says like two in the morning because we had to meet for breakfast. I'm thinking like. Oh, Tuesday when you come in town? No, now. Like now? Yeah, in an hour. Belloc Diner. Target letter? Uh, <laughs> so I go meet him and he, he has a, a he should have never got this letter. His lawyer said you should have never got this letter. It was from the phone company. Like say I say it was like CMP telephone company or whatever. And it said he highlighted it. First, he gives me this letter from the phone company. And I'm trying to make it three in the morning. I'm trying to make a joke. I said, Oh, you need me to pay your phone bill? No, no, read this. And it says the federal government has no longer requested wiretaps of your phone. And his lawyer said, you should have never got that letter from the phone company. You should have never got that. So his lawyer said, you know, when you work and all, you said, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm in town most of the week. I'm in home on the weekends. He goes, well, I bet you, uh, you know, a, a bucket of money that whoever you're talking to daily, me, my house phone, the bar, my bar phone, because I'm in the bar at this time, and her shop phone, as well as his phone. He goes, everybody's phone's tapped. He goes, you never, you never, I didn't get a letter, but they, they messed up where he lived in Virginia. He got that letter by mistake. So then he's like, he's like super, 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 super uptight, you know? So we're going, you know, he's had me do more stuff. He's trying to be in the background more, more than any more than what he was. And then, so time's ticking, time's ticking, time's ticking, time's ticking. And, uh, He's always said like one time when I was like, I'm out, I'm getting out. I think it was after the Italian thing. He's like, oh, brother, this is what he kept me in the, again. When I'm done, I'm giving everything to you. I'm just going to give it to you. Just hang in here a couple more years. I need to save a few more million. I'm done. See, we'd always, it was always this thing. He's going to give me something or do yeah. something for me, buy me a gift, take me on a trip. So uh, he starts to hey, man, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm ready to get out. You know, I said, what about the feds? He goes, <laughs> I go, what about the feds? He's like, oh, man. They got nothing, you know, all this time, all this time's passed. They got nothing, you know, 
he's leaving that for you. You're the one collect. You're the one putting the machines in. You're the one collecting. Everybody's seeing you for years. I'm going to I'm going to the meetings with the guys, the other operators. My face is out there. He goes, I'm thinking about I turn everything over to you and all. And I said, I'm thinking he's going to turn it over. He goes, Yeah, all I want is all I want is a two hundred grand. And I'm thinking like, motherfucker, two hundred grand. I said, you told me for years you're going to give me this business. We yeah. are done. I said, now you want 200,000. I said, because well, think about it. I said, I thought about it. I don't want it. I don't want it. At that point, he, we stopped talking. I'm working for him. Right. We're not talking. I go to the shop. He leaves me notes. Do this, do this, do this. If he had to call me, he'd call me. So I'm now, like everybody else that he screwed over, I'm a rotten piece of shit. Right. Because I wouldn't get sucked into this. So one day I go over to the office and he has, uh, now I had the bar. He had loaned me twenty five thousand to buy the bar when I bought it in ninety three. This is like ninety five. I paid him back already. It was his equipment in there, but it was you know we we split. I never signed a contract with him, and uh, he's like, uh, you know, we need to work something out. You know, I'm trying to sell. I'm going to piece off all my stuff to the other guys, the other operators. They'll buy some of their stuff. You know, that's what you do. He didn't tell them why the feds were on him. Yeah, he just said, "Hey, I'm going to retire. You want to sell my stuff." So part of the stuff, part of what he went to sell was my place, the curb shop. And I was making, he was making three grand a week out of my place, which is a good stop. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a decent stop. And um, I said, that's not part of the deal. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, all I did for you. I said, it ain't, ain't fucking happening. It's not part of the deal. Well, we'll get it all worked out. So he storms out of the office. So I guess a week later, I went over there and um Prior to that, one of the one of the guys that worked for uh, Rock Kind Vending, he's the, he was the biggest operator in the state. He had 150 accounts. He was making 150, 150, 200,000 a week back in the 90s in cash. And uh, one of his guys came over to see me at the bar. I was at the curb shop. He said, hey, Paulie, you knew me. He was, hey, you know, I'm just following up on this list of uh, bars that, that Sonny has. You know, he's selling. I said, yeah, yeah, I know he's selling, you know. Because you don't want it. I said, nah, I'm, just, I'm content. I got this bar. I'm content. I'm making good money, you know. He goes, okay. He goes, well. He goes, you're like the fifth. He goes, you're like the fifth one on the list. I had to come check out. And I said, uh, I said, my my place isn't my my place isn't on that list. It's not part of it. He goes, oh, he said it is right here. He said it's it's part of the the package, you know, worth the two hundred grand. He goes, it's a good stop, you know. If it you're not on the list, it's going to affect the price. I said, I said, I don't give a fuck what it what it what it does. I said, I'm not on the list. So uh, when I went to the office on a Friday. Like the week later after I met this guy, of course he wouldn't. He wouldn't talk to me on the phone. I tried to call him, he wouldn't talk to me. So in the office was a was a contract. It said sign, big letter sign, you know, exclamation point. And it was a vending agreement for five years with Bill's Abusement, his company. He wanted me to sign it so he can say, yeah, I got him under contract. It's part of that bundle of me selling my, all the bars and accounts I have. So I ripped it up. I ripped it up. Left my keys there on his desk. And I had a key to lock the door. I locked the door and I threw it through the mail slot. And I'm like, fuck him, you know? So uh, I go home. As soon as I got home, he came to the shop. He called my wife's on the phone. He's yelling, screaming. He's cussing at my wife. I'm thinking like, his sister-in-law, I'm like, he, have, he has no right to do that. Right. Yeah, no, no right at all to do that. And I get on the phone. I said, what's going on? So he goes, you son of a bitch. All I've done for you. Blah, blah, blah. He's going through the whole thing. I said, dude, you lent me $25,000. I paid you back. I said, you let lent drug addicts, you know, uh, all kinds of crazy people, you know, 50, 100 grand. And, you know, 
you, you, the only way you got your money back, you had to sell the account and try to do something with it. So I said, and I'm family. I said, I said, I'm not, because you owe me, you're going to sign this. He goes, well, you owe me, you owe me something, you know, it's my equipment in there and all. You got to come straighten this out. He was like a, he was like a, uh, you know, like a, a, a dog, you know, back into a corner, a rabbit dog. I mean, and I knew that now, he had a, he had a previous federal charge years ago. I find out later on when I was working for him for fraud, you know, so he couldn't legal own a handgun, but he, but he had a, he had an M1911 A1 he kept in a drawer in his office. I knew he had that, but I, like I said, I always, he knew I always had a gun on me. So I put my 30 in my pocket and I went to see him and I go in there and he's sitting at the desk smoking, you know, he goes, we got to work this out. He goes, I said, are you calm or otherwise I'm not coming in. I said, yeah, yeah, we're going to work this out. You know, I want you to sign this contract. All I did for you and all I said, I said, I ain't signing for a contract. So I don't sign anything. You owe me. Start. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, all I owe you is the equipment I have in that bar. It's your equipment. It's your equipment. I agree to it. I could say, F you, screw you, walk out, try to get it back. But I said, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not like that. You know, I did some, you know, I did some creepy shit, but I'm not like that as a person. I said, what, what do you want for the equipment? 20 grand? I'll give you 20 grand for the equipment. And I said, well, you owe me the business and all that's worth money and all. I said, I'll give you 20,000 for the, for the business, for, for lost income. Well, it's worth more. I, I said, that's all you're getting. I said, take yeah, the money. You can get that or you can get nothing. I said, take, I said, take that or you're getting shit. So then he starts threatening me. You, you can't be at your bar all the time and this and that, you know, I knew what he was capable of, but what he was capable of, the things that I'd done right, <laughs> or paid people to do, we paid people to go and smash bars up. Um, I, I can go back, backtrack with one story involving a retired cop, but um, I, I knew what he was capable of. And he had other people that would do things. There, the people would do things for a hundred bucks. I mean, there's yeah. some sick, you, there's some sick individuals out there. So he starts threatening me, you, you know, you can't be at that bar all the time and your house and I did. And I said, uh, Look, motherfucker, I said, uh, you have more to lose than I do. And I said, if anybody comes around my bar, looks at me the wrong way, uh, threatens me, threatens my wife, you know, if I even think some, something's going on, I said, you're not going to be around to take care of your family. And at that time, I clicked my revolver and my hand in my pocket here to and he knew I had my, my my hand in my gun in my pocket, and he just got white. He just turned white, and he was a golfer. He always had a tan, and he just kind of looked at me, and I said, "I'll send you." I said, "I will send you the money." I said, "This is the last time we're talking." And I, just, I backed him up out of there, and uh, I said, "He was godfather of my son, and my my oldest." But when I split, he was three. My son, I have two sons. They, my son, never met him. Never had. And, you know, how my, my kids found out about this, that uh, they know me as this jovial bar owner. You know, Michael Phelps, used to come to my bar. The ex-governor of Maryland would come to my bar. Judges, lawyers, stonemasons, three people, uh, radio personalities. I mean, I was just, I wasn't that guy. Everybody knew me as this, this bar owner who catered for little events for people and all, for judges, for sheriffs, supported the police. And, uh you know, they didn't know, they didn't know me as that. And my, I, I started writing a, a book years ago. I wasn't a writer, but it was in a box. And my, the only way my kids found out about this, about this lifestyle, cause my wife and me never talked about it. Cause we didn't see that side of the family or side of the family that he found this box. My oldest who was 14 at the time. He's 28 now or 29 now. 
and he started reading some of the stuff and he's like, is dad, is any of this stuff true? You're in this business and all. And I'm like, yeah, some of it is. I said, you know, some of it's embellished, you know, embellished for story stories and all, but that's kind of how he found out about it. But when, when I sold everything in 16, 2016 and, you know, bucket list, I wanted to write a book. I did write a book, you know, it's more, more fictional because of legality things. And then I wrote a screenplay that's more true to the story. So then I started doing this stuff, talking about it. But, so you, um, you never talked to him again? No. What what happened with the federal case? Did he ever get indicted? I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> very, you're very, very acute. And uh, I split from him in 20, and I, I thought I was out. thought I was out. This is 1996. So 2000, uh, I was building uh, a 3,500-square-foot house, my dream house. I mean, I, I, I showed enough money to – for how I was living, you know, right. That's one thing he never did. We always butted heads. He would put 10,000 cash in a bank like every week. And I'm like, dude, you can't, you're going to, you know, you can't do that every week. Yeah. Don't tell me you don't know. You don't know what you're Okay. I don't know what I'm doing. Whatever. I don't don't. So, I mean, I showed 110,000 plus income every year and I had a settlement from an accident I was in. So I had, you know, I had money. So I'm building this house and I'm in an apartment. My kids, both my kids were little. And um, the phone rings the apartment and it's uh, it's uh, hello, Mr. Schiffbauer. This is agent Smith with the uh, internal revenue service. I said, Oh, so what can I do for you? She goes, uh, we need to come see you tomorrow at this. She knew, knew the address, the apartment I was in. She knew I was building a house. And I said, six, eight, five, two, Oh, two, two. She goes, what's that? I said, it's my attorney. Click. She slammed the phone down. And you know, from dealing with things, sometimes your attorney might, Get your, you know, you call, you may get him then an hour later. He may call you later in a day, maybe the next day. It wasn't five minutes. My attorney's on the phone calling me. He's like, Paul, this is Sydney. I said, yeah. He goes, you know what it's about? And I said, yeah, about my, my brother-in-law, ex-brother-in-law. And I haven't seen or talked to him in four years. He said, they informed me they're coming to talk to you tomorrow at your apartment at 10 a.m. Or they're going to drag you before a grand jury in Northern Virginia. He's like, what do you want to do? I said, then come talk to me tomorrow. He goes, you want me to be there? I said, no. I said, I, I can, I, you know, I said, I can answer questions. I know what, what to say and what not to say. So they show up 10 on the dot, sharp, knock on the door, boom, boom, boom. And I'm on the bottom. We're in the apartment, like I said, waiting for this house that we built. And they knock on the door and I let him in. Agent Smith shows her badge. The other guy shows a badge, doesn't say one word. And they sit down. He has a pad out. He's just, t- he's looking at me, taking notes. And she's asked me, you know, they had canceled checks. I, I wanted to pay him back his money in checks because I didn't want him to come back saying that he owned that property. Right. And he wanted to put a lien, you know, so I wanted to make sure he got checks. And I said it was for equipment and goodwill. I, I you know, I wanted to document it. So yeah. I didn't want him, I didn't want him coming back on me. So they're like, oh, well, you're laundering money for him and all. I said, I said right. where, where do you see that at? I said, I just told you, I, I bought some equipment. We split and I, I paid them back. They had me going in these accounts. You were going in here, you know, about all the money he was making. You know, we got you doing $30,000 deposits. I said, that that was his business account. What? Yeah, it's not my money. You know, that she, she was like, you know, trying to, I, you knew everything. This other guy's just sitting there staring at me. Doesn't say one freaking word. He's just sitting there looking at me, t- taking notes, seeing my reaction. And then she says, you know, she's like, oh, well, you know, about 45 minutes. She's like, oh, 
you know, you have the you have the curb shop on Falls Road, and you have you have two. She knew the layout. You have two poker machines in there, and it's just us talking. You know, we know you pay off to your regulars. You know, just it's us us talking. You know, and I said, uh, I said, hey, Agent Smith, that's great. Do you think you know what goes on my bar? But I said, I'm not going to sit here and answer questions and incriminate myself about any of that. I said, I agreed to talk to you about Sonny. I've answered questions. I'm not talking about me. You right. Know, I've answered everything you said. Well, it's just us talking and all. And she's talking about my poker. She's got, I said, I said, tell you what, I'm done talking. My wife is like, I didn't raise my voice. I was very calm. I said, I'm done talking. They're like, she like put her chest out. Like, Oh, we're like, we're the feds. You know, you can't, I said, I know my rights. I'm done talking. You want anything else? I said, call my attorney and I'll talk through him. Have a nice day. And they, the guy slammed his pad and they're like, we're leaving through the back door. It was a slider, you know? And I said, knock yourself out. I said, it's a little damp out back, but knock yourself out. I open a slider for him and they leave. And my wife goes, what the hell was that about? Going out the back. I said, they're looking for something in plain sight, a Ming vase, a Picasso, you know, looking for something of like value where they say, oh, we thought we saw a Ming vase in there. You know, he says, you know, he makes so much money a year and he's building this house and he's got all this. And I thought that was it. I thought that was it. So I go back to my business and all. And, you know, four years go by. I'm still running the curb shop. I'm, you know, doing my thing. I'm getting written up on Baltimore Magazine for, for you know, uh, Best Burgers and things like that. And What is the statute of limitations on this crime? Like, I would think it would be five years. That's why I was thinking what it took them. It was four years later, so they were trying to indict this guy within the five years. Now yeah. you're saying it's another four years? Four years go by. They were still on him. They were still on him. He was doing. A, he was still racketeering. As long as you're doing racketeering, it just it's still go, it keeps it going. Continues. I, I continuous. thought he would shut everything down and no. move on. No, he, he no because he he bought a nightclub. Oh, okay. He bought a strip club. Of course, where they had machines in there. So he just can't get right. No, he can't get right. So. <laughs> I didn't, I mean, I didn't know about, they told me that. So I got a call. I'm working at the bar and I'm in my house now, the big house and all. And she calls me. She said, this is Agent Smith. I need to come serve you. I said, serve me for what? She goes, well, you're a material witness in the uh, U.S. government versus Sonny Warner. And I said, for what? <laughs> she goes, we need to come serve you. You're, you're a witness for the state, for the government. I'm thinking like, this is the state, not the feds. This is the feds for the fed. I'm sorry for the U S government. I'm thinking like, what the, I guess they wanted to this. they were asking people who knew about his background. Yeah. I, I just think they would delay. He has a history of doing this stuff, you know? So I call my attorney up and he's like, for what he says, look, they got, I don't know if it was true or not. This we told me, he says they have 30 days to serve you. When they notice, when they notify you saying we're serving you, he said they got 30 days. I, I don't know if it's true or not. That's what he told me. But it ended up, it worked out that way because I'm like, I mean, I needed to lose weight at the time. I lost 15 pounds real, real quick because, you know, you know, you're, you're pacing. And I, I knew because I still had poker machines in my place, in my bar. So I knew what I'm doing. You know, I'm money laundering, you know, racked. I'm doing, I'm, I know what I'm doing. Right. But I'm just doing it for myself. I'm not doing it for his operation. So my attorney's like, you don't know what they're going to ask you. You know, if you got to you're up on that stand. And I said, yeah. And I said, he goes, you better hope he comes a plea. And it was all over the, it was all over the media. He had like 23 counts against him. So the time's clicking down one week, two weeks. He's calling me every day. She served you. She served. I know. Your dog. Are you dodging her? No. I said, she goes, 
No, she goes, I'm going to come serve you at 30 Berkshire Drive. That's where my house was. Like I said, it was like the, my dream house, you know, everything I wanted, yeah. you know, huge sander layer and, you know, and I'm like, you know, Agent Smith, just, I said, just come to the bar. She goes, no, no, no. I want to serve you at your house. I said, I'm never there. I work 15 hours a day. I said, you go waste. I said, unless you're going to come in the middle of the night. I said, you're wasting your time. I'm doing your favor. Come serve. I didn't want her coming to my house, walking around, you know, for her to justify how I'm living or, you know, what, cause I had expensive furniture. I don't want her walking around my house. So she agreed, okay, I'll come serve you at a bar. So, you know, there's like a week left. My attorney's calling me. No, she hadn't come by. Two days, two days before he said this thing was going to end. It's all over the radio, all in the papers. Cop the plea. Nice. 24 to th down to three. Uh, money laundering, uh, illegal gambling, uh, failure to pay taxes. He got 18 months in the feds. Oh, come on. That's nothing. Well, he got 18 months. He, they, all the stuff he did, you know, he could have got more. And like when, when we split up, you know, his argument was, I forgot to say this, part of his anger pitch was, you know, you got, I got all, he's like, I got all this shit on you, all the shit you've been doing. You know, you've been doing this, doing that. And I said, knock yourself out. I did it for you. <laughs> I yeah. said, so I said, you're going to implicate yourself. Go yeah. ahead. Talk about it. I'll tell yeah. him you wanted me to do it. I got paid to do it. Yeah, that's like so, the, the guy saying, I, I know about this, these two guys robbing robbing yeah. banks. How do you know? I've been driving the getaway car. Driving the getaway car. Yeah, that's just and I'm like, you know, and I mean, I was so fortunate, you know, that like I said, I was interviewed by the police a few times, the feds, the state. Um, I'd been to court as a witness for for, for forgery with him and some other things that he just as a witness. So I, I've been to court and I've talked to the authorities, but I mean, knock on wood, I mean, I never was charged or indicted or, uh, you know, prosecuted with anything. I mean, I was very fortunate with some of the stuff I got done. And it's fun. Well, my co-writer of, of the novel, uh, Darren Hobson, he's, he's younger than me. And he's like, with all this technology nowadays, he's like, how did you, he's like, how did you get away with that? Carrying a gun, pulling a gun at people, threatening people. I said, I held up my cell phone. I said, there weren't cell phones back then. Yeah. You know, nowadays, you got a camera, you got a video, you got a recorder. Back then, banks had them. Banks had cameras. Government buildings had them. Not your average bar, your corner, your corner uh, liquor store. I mean, so that's that's how we got away with a lot of stuff. And I was fortunate, to, you know, to get out. I mean, I mean, lucky. I mean, lucky to get out and all the stuff I was involved in. So he he went to he goes to probably a camp somewhere. Yeah, it was a like camp. 18 months. Went, 18 months. He did. He did initially owe, he owed 600 and some thousand dollars initially. Um, and then I knew, I know he's got a big home. He's got a $700,000 lien on his home for whenever he sells it. They can't, where he's at, they can't take his home from him until he sells it. They right. can't, wherever he lives, it's like he's protected. What is called uh is a term for it. And yeah, then it's not um, homesteaded homestead. Yeah. He's a federal lien on there for his. Yeah. So whenever he sells it, he's got to, he's got to give that up. And I, and even when I was still with him and, and he didn't want to pay, he didn't want to pay taxes on anything. He didn't want to show any income. I said, you know, this shows something. And then if you show something, you know, they're not going to look as hard at you. Well, I, there's a, there's a huge difference between tax fraud and making a mistake. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, making oh, an I, honest mistake. Yeah. Right, I should have paid 
you know, I wrote, I took a bunch of deductions. Maybe I shouldn't have, uh, maybe I didn't declare quite as much cash as I thought I was. I, I'm not very good with my books. I thought I had claimed enough. That was, that's a, that's a mistake. Let me fix it now, as opposed to, no, no, I'm actively dodging paying taxes. Yeah. Now yeah. it's a felony. Now it's that's criminal. Yeah. One's a mistake and we can make a, I can pay a fine and make some payments. The other one, I got to go to prison. He, he always thought he was smarter than everybody. And like, and even when I would try to say with the, with the, uh, you know, the, the crown VIX and maybe an account wasn't happy or something, I was always full of crap. I, I was, I'm in my twenties. He knows better. He's, he's the man of the world. I'm like, Hey, whatever, dude, I'm just trying to help you out. You know, you know? And I said, I didn't like going to the bank and putting $10,000 in the account. And they asked me for my ID. Yeah. That's, it's that's, not my, it's not my money. It's, it's going to his account. I said, I told him, I said, I'm not doing that anymore. He's like, well, you're like, I'm your ball. I'm like, I, I, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I said, I'm not doing that, you know? So, uh, there, there's other little stories and other little things he, he got me involved in that, uh, somebody would, somebody could talk about some I can't talk about, but, um, like, you know, politicians, like, um, I'm going to go back to where like these, uh, when they had these meetings, when I, when, when the guys would meet, when they had problems, I'm kind of backtracking the, when I first started going to these sit downs with these guys, like the five major operators. So when we would go meet first, they didn't like me going because they didn't know me. Right. And he had explained to them that I'm, I'm, I'm his brother-in-law, you know, I'm family. Cause like I said, everybody you had, any way you got in this business, you had to know somebody, your family or you were in the business or you grew up, you grew up with this kid. So it was kind of like the mob in a way from those avenues. Like you had to know these people, but they weren't pricking your finger and they weren't burning a saint saying, you know, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. it wasn't any of that. It was just like, you know, we know, you know, you, you, you we know you're okay, you know? And, uh, they, uh, they were really careful who they let in their little things. And, 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 and even what kind of kept me in too, which is kind of crazy that, um, it was like, you ever play cops and rob robbers as a kid? Right. Yeah. It was like playing cops and robbers for real because, it was like kind of a, maybe that kept me into the money and the allure of like, you know, you're, you're looking over your shoulder all the time or, you know, some vagrants outside of one of the bars where you're going to go collect money and you're like, okay, is he a vagrant? Is he a cop? Is he a guy that's going to jump me when I come out? Cause I, cause I, I've been jumped before. I mean, I, <laughs> we, we got jumped. I mean, one night, this is a night that I, I, another night I saved his ass. We were leaving this bar and um, he had a habit of running around with married women too. But he always, right. always these girls were my age, you know. He liked to date these young. And he's flipping the money around, and they, oh, you know, girls come over to the money. Not all, but these types. And we left this bar this one night, and uh, these guys made a mistake. They jumped this the one guy that the girl was running with. This guy was a bodybuilder. This guy was a big dude. And we come out, and these guys are standing there. It's like five guys, and they fucking come at us. He gets knocked down, and these three guys are grabbing me, punching on me, and he's like, "Damn, boom, boom!" This guy's. And the one guy kind of like wants a kidney punch me, you know, he's swinging low and he, ah, he hit my 38 with his fist <laughs> and he's, oh, and I, so I grabbed that and I pulled it out and I pointed these three guys on me and I said, back the fuck up. And I pointed at the two guys beating Sonny up or on them. I said, get up. And they're, they're like, they're scared. I, and I knew these guys weren't going to, they were young. I did, they weren't going to do anything, you know? Um, but we were getting our ass kicked. <laughs> I wasn't about to go to the hospital. 
and and I pulled it up and I wasn't going to shoot. Well, I wasn't going to shoot them, but they got up and I said, they, one guy's, what are you going to do? I said, unless you want to be left here, unless you want to be left here tonight, you better get the fuck out of here. And they ran off. That was another time I saved his ass. They, they put me in a bad spot. And I was telling, somebody asked me about pulling a gun on somebody. And it's, if you pull a gun on somebody, you, you better, be you better be able to use it and i'm thank god i never had to use it right i mean i'm thankful for that like these guys were younger i knew it would just scare them like in the movie you scare them i didn't have to fire around in the air to scare them they got out because like i said we were we were getting torn up i mean we were getting beat up pretty good and that just got us out of the situation and i always said you know if you pull like when i pulled the gun on those italians you know i gotta be prepared for the repercussions and thank god they didn't reach they yeah, you can't behind. let them take it from you. Now you're no, you can't, you can't let them take it from you. And, and thank God those guys didn't reach behind and pull a gun out on me because I'd have to shoot them. I mean, and uh, I didn't like, you know, I, I, like I tell my kids when I tell these stories when they were younger, I said, I, I didn't like being that guy, you know, and and when, you know, shit got really bad and my, my oldest was three, you know, I went home one night and I looked at him. I said, you know, I, I don't want to be dead. I don't want to be in jail. I don't want to, you know, I got to get out of this. And, and, at that time, I was pretty much not, you know, un unscathed other than doing, you know, doing this stuff. And and I and I, I mean, I waited to do to talk to people like this, you know, and promote the the script I wrote. Uh, after 2016, enough time, statute of limitations, right? You know, I'm out of that. I'm out of that that stuff. I haven't been involved in it, so uh, that's why I'm kind of talking about it now. And I, I think it's kind of a it's it's kind of a unique story in a sense that um like it, it's not people think you know you know one time i had a hundred grand in my trunk i had to deliver to a politician and you know if i lost it or somebody stole it I, i'm in deep shit you know and it's not like the movies oh man that's so cool it's not cool it's scary yeah you know it's not and and i was forced to get out and and you know, thank God I had, you know, had the bar and I did well there for years. And then, and like I said, after a while, nobody, nobody, a couple of years, nobody remembered me from that business at all being in that. Well, you know, one, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. It's a, I mean, I, you know, I'm from Florida, so I, I think, you know, it's, it's like a cracker version of, uh, of casino. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, and it goes on and then it's like people ask, was the mob in Baltimore somewhat, but they couldn't like, we, we dealt with Johnny Polano. He, he, he was just bookmaking. He's, he didn't want the aggravation with the machines and all. And the, and these guys that we, that were in this, you know, in this click, they were all on it 20, 30 years. So they were entrenched with the politicians. Right. So the, the, yeah, the, the judge and they, they, they were, yeah. They, and the judge, you know, walked my wife down the aisle. In fact, he was so well-known Congressman Dutch Rubersberger spoke at his funeral. I mean, this is how well known this guy was. He knew everybody. And, um, you know, that, that kept me out of the, you know, situations too. And, and, but the, the, the Italians couldn't get, get a foothold because these guys are so entrenched. They tried, I mean, they, they would try, but they, they just couldn't, you know, we had them run out pretty quick because they weren't connected. Like, like with the politicians at all. And they, and the reason also why we paid these guys every once in a while, they would try to throw a bill up, like to outlaw the poker machines. Right. And they would do it. They would do it on purpose to get cash, you know, and we'd pay them too. Every few months they kick in money because, well, maybe we'll make slots legal and outlaw the amusement pieces. Right. So they kick in cash. But now it's now slots are legal in Baltimore. 
a lot of these old timers died that controlled these people. A lot of the older politicians died, you know, the, the head people in the Senate in, in Maryland, Annapolis, in the House. These guys controlled it for a combination of 50 years. These guys passed away a number of years ago. So all these people that they knew that could control things, they're no longer there. So so the slots kind of got in and these guys kind of went by the wayside. So what what happened with your you're saying you wrote a book and you wrote a screenplay? Yeah, what happened with, with that? We, or you're working on it? Or? No, we um we wrote a book and we sold I guess like five or six hundred copies, which I didn't think was that great. I'm a nobody. Somebody said, well, that's pretty good because usually it's just your mother, your father, and your aunt. I said, well, if you put it that way, maybe that's good. I, I didn't think it was that good. And we wrote a uh, we were entered in some uh, a few contests for for our, our or actually it's a it's a pitch for a TV show, but it can be turned into a movie. Right. And, and um, we placed, uh, we made the semifinals in a couple uh, writing contests, which, which I thought was pretty good. And they said, Hey, out of, you know, 7,000, you were in the top 20%, which they thought was pretty good. So we had a guy two years ago that wanted to buy it um, out in LA. And, but we didn't, he went to buy it and they kind of shop it for us. Right. But we, we thought about it and, but he said, you know, I want to be producer on it and this and that. Okay, whatever. You got to, you got to, you give a little bit for somebody that's going to shop and you give them a little bit of something. That's why there's like 18 producers or anything. And then when it came to like, he wanted 100% control of any deal that me and my co writer, Darren Hobson, that we had no, if somebody made him an offer, we had no say. If he took it, that was good enough for us. And I said, what was it an option? Did he give you an, he didn't give you an option. No, just just no. a shopping agreement. It's just a shopping agreement. Yeah. yeah that's well, that's no good. Said, he could sell it for somebody for a hundred dollars. I said, no, I said, that's no good. Or, or in my business, when I was in the vending business, a lot of money was under the table. I don't know if they do that out there. Maybe they do. So he could have had a buddy saying, yeah, I like it. Here's 50 grand. I'll give you 10,000 above board. And right. we wouldn't know about that. And I said, no, I said, you know, we'll just, we'll just keep, you know, working on it. And, uh, you know, like I said, there's 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 interest. I think it's a unique story because, like you said, it's not La Costa Nostra. Yeah, but it's criminal stuff, and it's and it's uh, it's predominantly white guys. Yeah, you know, you know, it's uh, and Baltimore's a small market. You would never think like that shit was going on. But one Come one on. guy, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was gonna say it's like uh, um, the Whitey Bulger or uh, the Departed. Like it's you know, t- you're it's it's a it's a mob story, but without the Italians. Without you know? the Italians. And somebody got somebody had once said, you know, I like the story, but it's kind of like stuck to Baltimore. I said, no, it's based in Baltimore. These machines are Virginia, North Carolina, you know, mm-hmm. Maine, Pennsylvania. They're 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 still out there. And in that time frame, the mob controlled a lot of the stuff up north. They were they they had these things up north, you know, but they were they were making millions in New York City. You know, we were content. Like our little outfit made fifty to sixty thousand a week that they were splitting. That was decent money in the nineties. Right. Joe's outfit was making two hundred thousand a week. What's that today? It's still a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And and there was a report done in two thousand six. It was called the Abel Report, and it's a Bell company. They would do uh, they would study things every once in a while, and they went back and they studied the vending business from you know its inception, and it was like a ten year period or so. And they said, yeah, they said. Out of three three thousand three hundred poker machines in Baltimore City and Baltimore County, these guys evaded paying taxes on hundreds of millions of dollars over a period of you know ten years. Right. So yeah, there's a lot. There's a there's so much money in it. I mean, for the mob, eh, maybe not, but for for you know guys like us or guys like these guys, it was plenty of money. I mean, yeah, you know, it was plenty of money. Okay. 
And so after after that, you just now you you said you were running the the bar. I ran the bar. I got out in '93. I got I got away from him in '96, and I ran my bar. I ended up selling it in 2016. So um, I was fortunate. Somebody it was in a neat little area in uh, in Baltimore area called Mount Washington. It was kind of an upscale area. And like I said, you know, Michael Phelps would come in, the ex-governor would come in, judges, lawyers, tree guys, stonemasons. It was a neat, it was like a cheers. Right. And I, I was fortunate. I always had everybody, not everybody, a lot of people wanted to buy the place because of how it was set up and like the cheers feel to it. And uh, everybody's like, oh, I'll buy it, I'll buy it, I'll buy it. And I'd throw a figure up to like, and I want all my money up front. Oh, you never get it, you never get it. I said, why don't you fucking sell it? You know, unless right. I get all my money, I'm not selling it. Because a lot of my buddies that had bars, that I knew over the years, you know, say they sold, you know, I owned the property, I owned the building, I owned a parking lot, I owned a liquor license. So I, I had more tan, tangible property than a lot of these guys. But I, a buddy of mine, he had his bar 30 years. He didn't own the property. He sold it for 300 grand, the liquor license and the business, not the property. The guy gave him 50 grand down, six months, stopped paying him. Now Couldn't you got to try and for Try to get it back. He got it back, took him that 50 grand to get it back. The place was ruined. I think yeah. he sold it. I think he sold it again for 70. Just to just let's get out. Yeah. And I'm like, I said, that's not gonna happen to me. If I sell it, I want all my money up front. And right. I stuck to my guns. And then I had these uh these uh, Oriental people who wanted to buy it, then went to change the whole thing. And some of the locals that were pretty well off that hung in there, like, no, you can't sell by them. I'm like, then write me a check. Cause they're gonna write me a check. You know, eight hundred thousand, you know. And they go, Okay, we'll give you. I said, All right. But it took like nine months to sell it because you have the you have the hearing process. You have to you know, post signs for a month. Hearings coming up. These guys have to go to a hearing. They get to get background checks. Yeah, they, they, have to, people, they have to apply and get and for the, the liquor license. License, they apply for that. They have to have background checks. And then you have hearings where the community can come in and say, do we want it to stay? Do we not want it to stay? Now, this place was there since 1934, the place I had. And, um, you know, I, yeah. I, bought it, I bought it in 93, sold in 2016, unfortunately. In 2000, they went out of business. Really? And hence, that's why I wanted all my money up front because <laughs> COVID just knocked them out. And and right. the guy that bought it, was he was very, very wealthy. He owned shopping centers and horses. He played polo. That was his hobby. Yeah. You know, you know that. And and he goes, man, it'd be cool to own a local bar because they would come down once in a while. And him and his, his buddies bought it. But they didn't realize the grind and that if you're not around, the first year they – they had it. They called me up and begged me to come back because it was messed up bad. And I said, dude, I, your employees will rob you blind, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. You really yeah. have to be there. You have to be. I was, if I wasn't in my place, my sister was there, but it ended up this guy, they gave me eight grand to come back for 30 days. So I came back for 30 days after I sold it a year and in 30 days, I showed it's profitable in 30 days. But I found out too, you know, I said, if somebody came down and checked on the invoices, I said, he was buying a hundred pounds of crab meat a week. And 100 pounds of uh, shrimp a week. Now, we would do it once in a while as a special. It was pretty much like a beer, shot, burgers, clubs. I would do shrimp and uh, crab meat to seasonal. He was doing this every week. And people were saying, oh, man, I missed that deal. He would sell me five pounds of shrimp over the bar for like 10 bucks. It was costing him 20. So I said, if he had, if the owner had somebody come down and look at the invoices and say, this stuff's not on the menu. He'd have he figured it out. He could have figured it out. And we figured it was like 50 to 70,000. The guy skimmed from in a year. And the guy was so wealthy. I said, man, you got to press charge. He's like, no, I could never do that. It's beneath me. I mean, this, cause this guy knew the mayor, knew the governor, you know, he was worth over $200 million. He's like, 
this is beneath me. I can't do that. I'm like, dude, I know people get killed for less. I mean, listen, I, if I'm like, them. and I wasn't, I wasn't messing around. I said, there's guys will be dead for less money. And he's like, ah, oh, just, it's just, uh, you know, cost of doing business. And yeah, then right. when COVID hit and he went through another manager, he just said, screw it. He just got rid of it. So. Well, oh, well, right. You know, I mean, you know, you with my you life, got, listen, I you, got my money. I got my yeah. money. You know, yeah, that's, that's all. I, it sucks because it was part of my life and my kids, I would just work down there. My kids would come when they're little and hang out with me and color in the background and all. But, um, you know, it's, you know, I, I just moved on to something else. Okay. Well, what are you doing now? Well, I'm doing, well, I said, doing the book. I've been doing, doing some podcasts with other people. There's interest in it. Um, uh, entering contests, rewriting. Um, that's it. I mean, I do just a little construction work, uh, for my brother when he needs it, drive a little Uber. I mean, I'm fortunate. I don't have to do a lot. Right. So I just need to make a little bit of money. My two years of not doing anything. My wife finally said, find something to do. Yeah. So I said, you care what it is? She goes, no, just make a couple hundred bucks a week. I said, okay. So, Hey, this is Matt Cox. And I appreciate you guys checking out the interview. Do me a favor, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell. So you get notified of videos like this. Also, please consider joining my Patreon or buying one of my books. Uh, there's links to all my books in the description box. A link to his book also. And thank you very much. See ya.